0: Welcome to the PsychoWise Podcast. We explore how women can expand in pleasure and wisdom spanning all cycles and seasons of womanhood. This is a body-centered approach to living, where your body is your personal resource for you to live as the woman you came here to be. the moon and if you want to turn on your cyclic woman and wisdom if you want to become untamed and awake to your own power then join me as we dive into all areas of embodied soulful living Today, we're talking about something that has come up for almost every woman at some point, and that is the journey of learning to love the body you inhabit right now. There's truly so much magic available within your cyclic womanly body, but sometimes it can feel impossible to feel the truth of that within your own body if you're stuck in a spiral of focusing more on how you look than how you feel. Today, I'm here with Eden Dalton Thompson. A yoga teacher that celebrates body through movement and passionately shares her journey to accept and love her body by unlearning diet culture and stepping into radical self love. So, if you're on a journey to unapologetically fall in love with you, then you're in the right place. Thank you for being here, Eden.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited and even more passionate about speaking on this topic and just sharing my experience with the world. Um, So yeah, thank you.
0: I love it. I actually have some of your words that I would really like to read to get us started with some of what you've shared. And the words goes like this. When we root our worth in something that's constantly fluctuating and changing, ebbing and flowing, like our bodies, it feels as if our worth and value changes. Bloated, not worthy. Gained weight, not worthy. Acne, not worthy. Lost weight, worthy. No stretch marks postpartum, worthy. Clear skin, worthy, and so on. We've been brainwashed into believing these things and more to be true because we live in a society that puts so much emphasis on appearance. But what if we decided to root our worth in something deeper, less surface level, something more consistent? What if we decided to root our worth and value in ourselves, the part of us that experiences the world, the part of us that hears our thoughts, the part of us that remains the same no matter how much our external world changes? What if we let the outside world exist as it is, including our bodies, without attaching our worth and value to it? And those words really landed with me when I read it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's amazing what comes up when I'm listening to somebody else speaking my words. Um, <laughs> sometimes I forget how profound some of our thoughts and yeah, messages can be so. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, that was a really big thought. That was just coming up for me yesterday, because when we really think about it, how how wild <laughs> is it that we do root so much of our worth in something that is constantly changing? you know, down to a a cellular level, our bodies are constantly changing, constantly renewing, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, how wild is it that we have been taught to believe that that is where our worth and our value comes from? We start out as these beautiful little babies and grow into these amazing human beings. How can we say our worth is based off of what we look like when it, it's never the same. I don't know about you, but for me, my body changes drastically in 24 hours.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, as myself, as a woman with a menstrual cycle, my body drastically changes even more throughout my 28 day, 30 day, however many days cycle, so yeah, when I had that thought, when that came up, I was like, wait a second, I need to think about this because this shouldn't be the only thing that we value, the only thing that that we assume our worth comes from, like judging a book by its cover, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: the The book is what's on the inside. The book is the words written on the inside. It's not... It could be not anything to do with what the cover looks like, right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, our body will change. It will evolve. There'll be so many different things that we'll have to journey through. And you're really speaking to what it means to cultivate a relationship with something deeper within ourselves, that part of us that is the very foundation of who you are. And, you know, there's quite a few different words you could put on that, but I'll leave that to be the personal choice. But, that deeper thing that is actually very constant in a way. Sure we evolve, sure we change, but there's that part of us that came into life and is with us for the rest of our life. And I guess that makes me really curious about your journey that you've taken to root your worth in your deeper self and just the path that you've walked to sit in What sounds like a really different place than where you came from?
1: Yeah, so uh, from the age of five or so years old, I grew up dancing and that led me into a professional dance career. And of course, dancing is something that is so heavily, almost all heavily based on what your body looks like, what your body is doing. So it's hard to to separate yourself from your body when that is your entire life. So in my early 20s, I started working, I say early 20s as if I'm like in my 40s, I'm only 26, <laughs> but from the age of 20 to 24, let's say, um, I started working on a cruise ship and dancing and performing in their shows on the ships. And the second contract I did, I was told by my rehearsal director, and I know it it was nothing personal, but it, of course, felt very personal. Um, I was told, oh, you might want to lose some weight. You might want to tone up and tighten up because, you know, you have to wear a bodysuit in this show. And I already knew what the costumes for the show looked like because I had seen people do the show before. So I already knew I had to wear a bodysuit and I had no fear of wearing a bodysuit at all until she said those words to me. Mm. And uh, I just remember thinking like it just felt so, so personal, like there was something wrong with me. And I really couldn't detach myself from that and my own value and worth from that. Um, So I spent the majority of that year really struggling with a very, very unhealthy relationship with food, unhealthy relationship with exercise, um, just, yeah, very unhealthy relationship with myself, physically, mentally, emotionally. I had put my entire worth in my body. and yeah, those words just really destroyed me. Um, and it's funny because that's not that's not an uncommon comment to get in the dance world. but unfortunately, I did not have any sort of knowledge or or experience in how to handle that situation, I should say.
0: Mm. And Um, would you say that you've actually grown up kind of unscathed by the oppressiveness of beauty standards, outside worldview of what your body should look like, do like, be like?
1: Yeah. I mean, until that moment, I was so focused on what my body could do that I didn't really think about the Beauty aspect of it. I was just, mm-hmm. oh, I have to be really strong. I have to be really flexible. I have to be able to do all of these crazy moves. And that was my entire focus. You know, I never had boys being like, oh, you're so pretty, blah, 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 blah. So I never thought about it in that sense. Yeah, until that comment. And um, it was really like a massive, a massive shock to me that someone would say that. Um, but, you know, it's so common in the dance world that you would think, or even in the performance industry at all with, yeah, singers and actors and everything, you would think that we would have some sort of tools to help us, <laughs> guide us through a situation like that. But unfortunately, there there wasn't. So yeah, then from, from that moment on, I just kind of spiraled into really... Um, unhealthy habits and just really no confidence or any confidence that I had was very, very fake. And then, yeah, I just, I decided after that, okay, I'm done with the dance world, with the performance industry, because I don't want to be somewhere that doesn't see my value and doesn't see my worth um, and doesn't see what I can bring to the table and just focuses on what I look like. Mm. So then that, after I left that, I was like, okay, I, what am I feeling called to do? I felt called to go do my yoga teacher training. Um, So I went and did that and still kind of, it was still very like a physical practice for me. It was still very about what my body could do and less about the internal journey and was it something that like yoga had found you through being
0: in addition to your dance in some way
1: no actually my sister I have three sisters so one of the three she dragged me to a yoga class and was like oh you'll love it it's great try it and I was like okay I'll try it tried it absolutely hated it I'm pretty sure um the first class I did was a Bikram yoga class, <laughs> and it was very difficult to, in the heat and everything. So I went and was like, okay, well, no. I did not enjoy that at all. I'm not going to do it again. And then she said, okay, well, this is a different kind of yoga. There was another studio that we were like, okay, we'll try that one. And then it was a yin class. So complete opposite, um, end of the spectrum. And I went, tried it and was like, nope, I hated that too. It (laughs) doesn't feel good. Like that was so boring for me. No. And, uh, And then the third time she was like, okay, come and try this class. Like you will actually like this class. And I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? I don't like yoga. I don't think it's for me. Um, And then the third class that I tried was a vinyasa class. And vinyasa is very, it feels like a dance, um, like a sort of dance to me. It's very flowy. You're connecting your breath with your movement. So that felt a lot more resonant. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I actually do kind of enjoy this. So, yeah, that was kind of where I first kind of dipped my toes in the massive yoga world waters. So then I started practicing. And yeah, it just became, it kind of substituted what I was missing from the dance world, the movement aspect. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what made me really attach onto yoga and cling to it uh, without even realizing (laughs) how massive of a journey I was actually embarking on with diving into something like a yoga practice that is about so much, so much more than the physical aspects. So, yeah, I did my yoga teacher training. I started teaching, but um, I still hadn't actually healed my relationship with my body or I hadn't healed that part of me that essentially, for lack of a better word, broke when I was told to lose weight, right? Mm -hmm. So after, yeah, after my yoga teacher training, I also should mention, I lost a lot of weight during my yoga teacher training. It was a four week intensive training. So we're practicing in the morning in lectures all day, methodology teaching, basically a full day schedule for four weeks straight. And then of course we're eating a, a yogic diet. So it's, um, mostly or vegetarian diet, almost vegan with some feta cheese. That was about it. Maybe some (laughs) yogurt. Um, so I, I had never really thought too hard about the food that I ate up until then as a teenager and a young adult dancing, however many hours a week, you know, you don't really have to think about it that much. So yeah, that was the first time that I actually became very aware of the food that I was eating. And, and I remember coming back, um, after the training and my family, uh, they were like blown away. They asked me, you know, where did you go? And um, of course, with someone that doesn't have a healthy relationship with their body, when you tell someone, wow, you've lost so much weight, look, you look amazing, uh, that just fuels the fire that, oh, okay. So when I lose weight, that means I get praised, I get complimented. That equals good. Uh, which is not true, but it felt like true. It felt like truth to me at the yeah.
0: time. Yeah, yeah. When you're all of a sudden receiving that that loving attention and people being excited about your body in a positive way for the first time, it's it sends a very confusing message.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, then of course you come back from your yoga teacher training. You're no longer eating a you know, yogic diet that is purely vegetables, beans, lentils, fruit, and nuts and seeds and a little bit of feta cheese here and there, you know, when you come away from that and come back into the real world, (laughs) you're going to have pizza, you're going to have family barbecues, you're going to have burgers, you're going to be, oh, you know what, it's a nice hot summer day, I want some ice cream today, you know, that's the world that we live in. So, of course, I come back, I resume eating my normal diet, and then, of course, I gain weight back. And then, what? Oh, I'm no longer receiving the compliments of, oh, I lost weight. I look so good, blah, blah, blah. So, then, oh, something is wrong with me. Maybe I should try losing weight again. So from there, I signed up. I don't know if you know um, what Beach Body is, but I signed up for a Beach Body program, 21 day program. Did it, of course, lost weight as you do when you restrict your calories drastically and exercise every single day. And then I kind of, uh, what's the word? I was influenced into becoming a coach. So So I became a coach and then I just realized that did not resonate with me at all because, again, it was basing my worth on what I looked like. And the original reason for me leaving the performance industry was to get away from that, to be somewhere, to be surrounded by people that loved me and accepted me for who I was on the inside and not what my body looked like. And of course... The health and fitness industry is very, very saturated, oversaturated with people who only care about the appearance, right? Mm. So, yeah, it wasn't until I decided to quit being a coach because that did not feel right to me. Um, And I still even battled for a couple more years up until even, I would say, eight months ago the beginning of this year, um, that I really stepped into, I would say a healthy relationship with my body, a healthy relationship with food and exercise. Yeah. So that was like five years of my life that was just spent on obsessing over what I looked like, how much I weighed, what I ate, how much I exercised. And it's, It was exhausting. (laughs) Mm. To say the least, it was absolutely exhausting. Um, So I was just decided, like, hang on a second. (laughs) Why? Why am I so obsessed with how much I weigh? It, it, It was actually the last time I went to weigh myself, six to seven, maybe eight months ago, I had a glass scale. I picked it up and it slipped out of my hands and it shattered on the ground. Mm. And I stood there with the glass all around me and I was like, oh, okay, yes. That is <laughs> That's a <obviously> message. <laughs> a massive, massive sign um, that I don't need to be doing this. So, yeah, since that scale broke, I haven't bought another one. I have no, absolutely no idea what I weigh or anything like that anymore. And there's so much freedom in that there's so much freedom in not thinking about that i would wake up and weigh myself every single day and be upset if i had gained 2 pounds overnight or by the end of the day and that that is just i could go on a whole another tangent about that but there's there's so much freedom in not weighing myself and not knowing not attaching myself to a number. And in that freedom came my search for other freedoms, food freedom, to stop demonizing certain foods, to stop restricting myself, to stop not giving myself permission to enjoy an ice cream on a hot summer day or to enjoy having pizza on a Friday night. Yeah, just to enjoy the taste of food as well as enjoy nutritional benefits from food. We talk so much about health in regards to physical health, but there's so many more layers of health than just our outward appearance, than just our physical health. You know, our mental health, our emotional health, they are just as important as, if not more important than our physical health. So yeah, it just became this search for freedom from everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just really felt um, so called to just exist in my body and let my body be what it is without putting a label on it, without putting a number on it, which of course is still very hard when you know the clothes that you put on your body every day have A number or a letter that defines how big or how small that piece of clothing is yeah so this yeah my whole journey has just been on a search for freedom (laughs) and what did it look like for you
0: to begin to lean in deeper in a place that was perhaps more respectful for the first time towards your body Were there new practices you started doing? Were there inspirations that supported you along the way? Was it an inner journey of unlearning, undoing what had kept you trapped prior to that? Like, what did it really look like? Because one thing I think is having that inspiration for that freedom and also feeling the weight of that pain, right? Because it's a lot to carry day in, day out. Mm Mm-hmm. And then another thing is really beginning to lean in, beginning to really integrate what it means to lead day to day in a way that has respect for you, for your body, for yourself, perhaps being inspired by something else for the first time.
1: Yeah, so I started really looking at myself in the mirror and questioning why, why? Why do I dislike this part about my body? Why have, I, why have I been constantly telling myself this part of my body is bad? This part of my body is shameful? And when I really started to question, a lot of the answers, most of the answers are the same. Why do I not like my thighs? Well, because they're big, er, and they rub together when I walk. Okay, but why don't I like that? Why is that a problem? Oh, well, because somebody said that, you know, women should have thigh gaps. And I don't have a thigh gap, therefore my thighs are bad. When I question that and it leads one thought leads to another, it usually ends up in somebody said that this part of my body is bad or not good enough or flawed when it's not. Mm. That is their Opinion. that is their truth, but it doesn't have to be my truth. So, yeah, that was the first uh, the first big, really powerful practice I think that I started integrating is questioning, why do I really feel ashamed about this? And it's usually because somebody said it was bad. Somebody that doesn't even know me <laughs> said it was bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, that somebody also is something a lot bigger, right? Because we're also speaking to what's really a systemic energy, a systemic issue where there are very strong conditioning about how we should present ourselves to the rest of the world in largely a very restrictive way. And that comes up in different ways for men and women. But that somebody is the very sort of bowl of water we've been swimming in our whole life yeah so really beginning to question it and give yourself a choice around what do i actually feel about this and start to actually separate a little bit the water from your own your own being is is a huge thing
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's finding what is your truth? What is truth for you? That is so important. It's taking off all of these layers of what other people have said that you should be or you should look like it's taking those all off and knowing that, okay, that's not actually me. That's not actually my thought. That's not actually my truth. Yeah, it's a process of elimination, what actually, what thoughts do I have about my body that actually come from me? A lot of it is not the outward appearance. The thoughts that I have about my body that actually come from me are, how does my body feel when I'm waking up in the morning? How how are my energy levels feeling? Oh, today I feel super energetic or, oh, today I feel a bit sluggish and tired Those are the thoughts about my body that come from me. The thoughts about what my body look like, you know, of course, yeah, there's certain preferences that we have, but even those are usually heavily influenced by what we've been conditioned to believe as true. Yeah, and it does really
0: change when you start tuning into how you feel because that's a very different thing. Being guided by you feeling your body asking for movement, asking for rest, asking for whatever it needs, that's very different than feeling like you should do something. And it's a very different place to begin to be in relationship with a body that you can actually begin to orient towards pleasure, no matter what your body looks like. And you can begin to discover that If it's feeling like it's craving more movement, different foods, and a change, a transformation, a healing of some sort, that comes from a very different way when you orient towards how you feel, not from how you should look.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of the fear that some people have of intuitive eating and intuitive movement is that, especially with intuitive eating, people are scared that they're not going to want to eat fruits and vegetables and nutritionally dense food. But the only reason that that thought process is happening is because of the constant restriction of, you know, the tasty food that's good for our heart and soul. When you, when you restrict any sort of food, of course, you're always going to be thinking about that every time you crave, say I'm craving chocolate. Every time I crave chocolate, if I don't give myself a taste of chocolate, a piece of chocolate, I'm going to be thinking about that chocolate all day long until I finally just let myself have some. Whereas if I say, oh, I'm craving some chocolate, I grab a piece of chocolate, "Mm, craving satisfied, now I can move on. Then I actually have time to crave other things. Then I'm not so obsessed with that one initial craving. Um, And it goes for movement as well a lot of people are are on these gym schedules are on these workout plans workout routines and there is so much stress in staying on track when because you are constantly you know pushing through your fatigue or exhaustion you're not taking proper rest days proper breaks you're not honoring your body and giving it the rest that it's desperately asking for because you push through with, you know, synthetic supplements, pre-workouts, stuff like that. You don't know how to actually listen to your body. So there's so much fear in, well, if I stop, if I don't follow this routine, then I'm not going to do any of the workouts when that's simply not true. But your fear is there because you're so tired that you want to take a full week to do nothing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there are some layers of truth to it in the sense that what we're really beginning to get close at is that it's the nervous system (laughs) layer that's really underneath all of that. And our nervous system have to be in a state of health and vitality and equilibrium. I mean, the nervous system is always, you know, changing and balancing and dancing. That's its job. But There has to be that state of vitality and ability to do different things in order to naturally orient towards pleasure. So if someone for a long time has had that journey of some version of trauma and whatever that looks like, if that trauma is presenting in a way where there's a very strict schedule in terms of keeping in right relationship with their life, It could also be the other way, right? Collapse and not listening to the body in any way. But that healing of the nervous system in order to actually come to a place where we can feel our bodies, we can hear what's actually there, that could look very confronting for some people because that slowing down, that therapeutic healing, that can take some time to arrive there. It doesn't necessarily happen right away even if we're pulled towards intuitive eating because an intuitive instinctual way of living requires us to be well Mm -hmm. and so many aren't well Mm -hmm. for good reason we live in such a crazy world that doesn't really foster that wellness in a very organic way
1: yeah it doesn't give us the opportunity to really learn and befriend our intuition like you said, we don't live in a world in a, we don't live in an intuitive society. We're a a bit lost in, in that sense. And I think that's why following our intuition and trusting our bodies know the way it's so scary. And it's so full of fear because we've never done it before. Maybe as, as children, but even then there's, you know, countless times, almost my whole childhood, uh, where I couldn't leave the table if I wasn't finished eating all the food on my plate. Yeah. So even, even then when, you know, you're a child saying, I'm not hungry, I'm full, I'm full, I'm full. Well, you're going to eat everything because I made this food for you. Eat it. Okay. Even as children, we're not, we're not taught to, to trust our intuition around.
0: Yeah. Yeah around food. Or even just respect the body, right? Respect what it needs if it needs rest, if it needs to go to the bathroom. Like basic, basic things that are the very fundamentals of listening to our nervous system.
1: Yeah, it all for me, you know, returns back to our our cyclical nature. We, we live in a very masculine energy dominant world. And as, as a woman who menstruates, you know, I am not, <laughs> I am not in my masculine energy every day, all day. Um, you know, I work in cycles in seasons every week of my month feels like a different season. So it, when we relate it back to, back to that, like the earth, how can I constantly be blooming? I can't, not everything blooms in summer. Not everything blooms in winter. Not everything blossoms in the fall or the spring. Everything has its turn and has its time. So when we start to think about, okay, well, what season am I in? You know, last week when I was menstruating, I was clearly in my winter. I was tired. I wanted to stay in bed. I wanted to eat warm, hearty foods. I didn't want to move my body. I didn't want to do anything just like being dormant. In the winter, when we're constantly pushing ourselves through that and, you know, drinking coffee to get ourselves out of bed, drinking pre-workout supplements to get ourselves to do that workout, we're going against what our body is desperately asking for, the rest, the time to go inward and to maybe sleep more, maybe eat more, do less movement. And I think, yeah, there's still, there's so much fear in, in the winter and that is largely due to that masculine energy dominant society that we live in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a big thing to come into that deeper relationship, deeper respect for what's showing up. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're speaking to something that I feel is, is so key when it comes to this layer of body love, body respect, connection with ourself because it's relationship. When you really begin to cultivate a real deep relationship, then it also begins to change how you view yourself, what you have access to. It's when those doors begin to open within your woman landscape, you begin to tune in to where there's more wisdom available to you, more sensuality, more sacred sexual energy, all these things that are available to us. And they just really aren't available to us when we keep our body at almost like a feeling of an arm's length away. And it's an acquaintance rather than a beloved. And really becoming your own beloved, becoming someone that is in real relationship with yourself. That is a change maker to me because when you begin to truly relate to your body, it looks different just like people do. When you begin to really love and know them, they feel different. They look different. You see so many layers and nuances to these people that are awakening in front of you in a way that you probably didn't when you just met them.
1: Yeah, what an absolutely beautiful way to to put that, be in a relationship with your body in a relationship for example you will fall in love with you know something I have a birthmark on my forehead and I used to be so insecure and ashamed of it because to me it's a flaw and now I don't even think about it because it's been there for (laughs) my whole life um But my other half, he doesn't ever say like, oh, your birthmark is kind of weird on your head. You know, sometimes he will give me a kiss on it. You know, what if I can be him in that aspect and give that place a little kiss, a little mental Mm. kiss, a little, a little extra love and not automatically think, oh, well, this is not perfect on me. This is not smooth, silky, soft skin on me. It's a raised bump and it's a little red. But what if I can just accept that it's there and accept that it is what it is and it's a part of me? It's a part of me that makes me me. What if I can just give it a little kiss like somebody else? I think that that was Yeah, an amazing way for you to speak about that Um, because that is even something that I haven't thought of of really thinking about my relationship with myself and my body as the same as my relationships with people outside of myself.
0: Yeah, it's really something that I consider a tool really. So when our bodies change, like for me right now, I'm eight months postpartum after the pregnancy with my son and with the parts of my body that are different, I know it's because there is a foreignness to them and they're asking me to be in relation with them. Like I don't know them deep enough yet (laughs) to love them in the same way, in a way, or to really process whatever that part of my landscape means to me. And Something just changes when we begin to be in a relationship. And the thing with real relationship is that there's room for all emotions, all feelings. You can show up to listen to what's there and begin to peel back on all the nuances. It's not about putting a positive statement on everything. It's about relating, it's about listening. It's about leaning in closer to this landscape that you inhabit and giving it a kiss giving it a listen, saying I'm here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that gave me goosebumps, you speaking about that, getting to know the new parts of you and not just placing that positive label on it. When we speak about, you know, this body acceptance and self-love topic, a lot of people assume that means, oh, well, I need to learn to love the parts of myself that I've been telling myself that I hate for all of these years. And that's, that's just simply not true. You don't need to love every single part of you, but you also don't need to hate it or demonize it either. You can, you can accept it and you can be with it and you can hold space for it, but it doesn't mean you have to walk around saying, I love my stretch marks. I love my acne. I love my birthmark. You can say, I have stretch marks. I have acne. I have a birthmark and not attach a positive or negative emotion or feeling to it. You can just accept that it's there and it is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And with that, I want to add into sort of the topic of body hair because Mm -hmm. I want to talk about it. And really, you know, it's one of those things, it feels like a strange topic, right? That it is a topic. (laughs) But the reality is that women's body hair divides the world, (laughs) both for women themselves and those who for some reason think it's okay to have an opinion about the hair on women's bodies. So it's a topic, even though it's very strange (laughs) that it's a topic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's strange that we have to fight (laughs) to give our bodies permission to just exist as they are, you know. Um, The hair that grows on my legs and under my arms and in my pubic area, it grows there for a reason, right? Yeah, It's not just growing there because it wants to. Um, But for me, You know, my journey with this has been quite recent. Um, yeah, originally it started with, you know, we're in lockdown, not seeing anybody. Why am I wasting so much time, wasting so much energy, wasting so much money and wasting so much water hanging out in the shower for an extra hour to shave from the neck down, basically. Why am I doing that? It was again, back to that questioning. Why am I doing this? Okay, well, because yeah, I've been doing it my whole life and, you know, it's just something I do. Okay, but why? Well, because women shave. Women are supposed to be hairless. Okay, but why? Well, because somebody, once upon a time, someone said, ah, how, I believe it was, I don't know how accurate this is, but I believe it was, you know, one of these razor companies yeah, in Gillette. World War II. <laughs> you? Yeah started advertising for women because all of the men were at war, not obviously not shaving. That's the least of their worries. Um, so, okay, how are we going to keep our company afloat? How are we going to keep making money? Well, let's offer this, this men's product to women. So then women will buy into it too. Okay. So now we see where that stems from. It's a money-making tactic that we have been brainwashed to believe as truth that women should not have hair on their legs, under their arms. I think the pubic region has been – it's a little bit different. It's a little less um, taboo, I would say. Maybe that's just in my experience. But, yeah, the the underarms and the legs seem to be the most – controversial maybe it's because it's the things that you can actually see (laughs) but swimsuits alone are very much
0: geared towards shaving
1: yeah that's true that's true they're Um, not
0: really made in a way that makes it easy unless you want to showcase your hair which is you know a good thing too but they're definitely not made with the sort of body hair in mind
1: no that's that's very true I remember even being a teenager, a young, young teenager, um, in the summertime wearing a bathing suit and being so paranoid, so paranoid that one little hair was going to grow on my bikini line and someone would see it. Yeah. There, there is definitely still so much shame attached to, yeah, even that, um, maybe just in my day to day conversations, it doesn't come up as much yeah, maybe just armpits are easier to talk about. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I just decided, well, I'm going to stop wasting my time because I can be, I can use this time for something productive or for extra sleep or, you know, spending quality time with the people I love. Um, obviously not in the isolation period, but I just said, okay, I'm going to stop shaving and I stopped shaving and it actually, it surprised me how, again, in, in this search for freedom, how freeing it felt to, to actually number one, see hair under my armpit. I don't even remember when I started shaving my armpits cause I probably started shaving when there was at least one hair there, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I just stopped and, It felt good. It felt so good. I I don't know about you, but constantly shaving, constantly, you know, battling ingrown hairs and razor burn and just even like uncomfortable chafing in the armpit area. It doesn't feel very good for me. Um, And I found that when I just let my body do its thing, I don't even think (laughs) about that anymore. I am so, like, I'm so much more comfortable, physically comfortable with the hair there because it it gives a little cushion, it gives a little, you know, separation from that skin to skin rubbing. I'm not constantly dragging a blade over it, Mm. irritating any bumps or ingrown hairs that are already there. So yeah, just it feels so much better for me. And it feels so freeing. And it's wild that something so simple as leaving my body hair to do its thing can feel so freeing.
0: And controversial. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, to me, I've I've thought about often that there are two things that I feel like I've gotten more reactions Mm -hmm. from than other things. And I do a lot of odd things. I live a very alternative life compared to most I have from a very young age. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, there's so many odd things that I do and have done (laughs) for so many (laughs) years. And yet the two things that I would say I've gotten most reaction from is one, not drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. Two, body hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I do so many more crazy weird stuff. <laughs> That's not that weird really.
1: Yeah. But
0: those two things, controversial.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh, not drinking it is another thing that I've been going through as well. I stopped drinking. I've had a few drinks um, but I stopped drinking at the beginning of March or the middle of March and yeah, I was scared to tell people. It took me 17 weeks (laughs) to tell anybody that I wasn't drinking anymore Um, because we do live in such a, (laughs) I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but people like romanticize it or it's just, it's so normalized to the extent that if you don't drink, it's weird. And that in itself (laughs) is weird.
0: Yeah. And like, it's really funny that it's equated with such freedom and such a liberty When, to me,
1: that's not real freedom. (laughs) That's not real liberty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, the body hair, I think, you know, someone, people's favorite response is that it's unhygienic. Well, if it was so unhygienic, why aren't men shaving their armpits too at the rate that women are? Why aren't men shaving their legs at the rate that women are? You know, if it's so unhygienic, then everybody would be doing it. But that is just an excuse for people to stay attached to the lie that we've been fed to be these perfect, silky, smooth, hairless beings from the neck down. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I think that people are very uncomfortable when others challenge the norm, when they challenge the system, when they don't fall in line, it makes them very uncomfortable. And and you'll find most of the people, well, I find (laughs) all of the people that have commented on my body hair in a negative way are all people who conform to society's standards, to society's ideal beauty standards of what women should look like.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm wondering what really inspires you to keep questioning these things. What inspires you in terms of what you sense when you're, you're growing out your body hair, you're relating to your body in a new way? What inspires you to lean in to that expression, that way of being a woman in the world right now? What does it offer you? What does it give you? What inspires you to go there?
1: The theme for me this year has been just revealing and meeting my truest, fullest, most authentic self. And growing out my body hair has been something that I've never done that I didn't even know what it would look like because it's something that I, as soon as I saw, I got rid of it. Um, so it kind of was like an experiment one to see how it felt and two to see, you know, my body in its natural state. There is times when I second guess myself and I ask, should I just conform? Should I just, you know, do what I was doing for however many years? Should I just go back to it because it's easier? Because then I won't get people commenting on my body hair, then I won't get people's unsolicited opinions about my body. And I know that, yeah, it would be so much easier to, to avoid all that stuff by just shaving. But is that really the most authentic version of myself if I feel pressured into doing something just so I won't get a reaction out of people? Hmm. Maybe for some people it is, but for me, It's not. I just want to be who I want to be. And some people will accept that and some people won't. And I understand that. But for myself, it's can I really find out who I truly am on the inside and stop worrying so much about the outside I am never going to look like a size zero or size two, five foot 10 supermodel. I'm never going to look like that. And that is the kind of models that we see all over social media, all over the internet. um, And that that body is being praised. Well, I'm never going to look like that. So let's just try getting rid of that ideal for myself and allow my body to be what it is. Um, I think it's just, yeah, another layer of detachment.
0: Hmm.
1: I think the only thing about my body right now that I still would be working on is like letting my eyebrows grow out to whatever they (laughs) naturally are. Um, But now just allowing my body to be what it is. And if that means that my legs are hairy it means that my legs are hairy if that means that I leave my armpit hair it means I leave my armpit hair it's just another level of detaching my worth from my body
0: yeah yeah and I mean the thing when we start questioning and relating to our body in a new way is that new inspiration arises I know for me the inspiration is something you know that it's not related to the culture at large or the, the narrative we have around women's bodies at all. That's not even in my day-to-day reality, even though mm-hmm. it's certainly the soup we're all yeah. brewing in. <laughs> yeah. But there's something else that inspires me now, and it's nourishment. I want to be a nourished woman. I'm inspired by pleasure. I'm inspired by the wisdom and mystery that's available to me within my womanly body. And I want to know it. I want to be in relationship with it. And that's much more exciting than all the other stuff and that's what I want to lean in closer to that's what I want to be invested in awakening and that's the real thing that we're opening the door to because of course what a big thing it is to have a loving and respectful relationship with yourself and I think the respect is something I want to emphasize because there is a level of disrespect towards our bodies and the way other people treat our bodies that is so normalized That it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's crazy. Beginning to respect our body is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. When we begin to do that, that begins to open the doorways to deeper layers, more mystery, more pleasure, more sensual wisdom, more deliciousness, more human awakening. And that feels a whole lot more exciting (laughs) than anything else.
1: Yeah, transitioning into yeah, the main focus being on feeling. How does it feel? And less outward, external focus, more internal focus. I totally agree with you on that in regards to, you know, food and movement. Um that's something that is like I was saying earlier, it's it's scary However, when we heal that relationship with our intuition and allow it to guide the way, you realize what feels good and you will always gravitate towards what feels good. And you'll notice that what feels good will change day to day. Some days what feels good for me is completely different, is completely the other side of the coin to the next day yeah, healing, healing the relationship between ourselves and how we feel. You know, so many things that we do, we just switch off. We go to jobs that don't feel good, that we don't like, that don't fuel our fire and light us up. We do movement because we feel like we should, that we don't actually like it. We eat foods, Because we think we should, because we are told they are superfoods and they're good for us and good for our health, but we might not necessarily enjoy, fully enjoy the process of eating it. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's been so many times where I have choked down some green juice or smoothie because I thought I should, whereas had I just eaten, (laughs) like, even a, a, a banana instead, like that's still giving me nutrients and nourishment, but I actually mm. enjoy eating that.
0: I'm the other camp. I love the green juices. I love the smoothies, but I get the pleasure orienting you and yeah. guiding you oh, for I sure. Still,
1: I love the green juices and I've had the same smoothie almost every single day for the past like six months because I enjoy it. Now it's just a benefit that there is so many nutrients in it, you know. Mm. Um, But, you know, I still will. I baked banana bread last night and I had a big slice of it this morning. I enjoyed it. You know, there's still there can be balance. But we, yeah, we just need to heal that relationship first. Yeah. And
0: what a personal thing it is to discover what that looks like for each of us and It will continue to change as we go through different seasons, different flavors, and it's really about coming back to us, back to our feminine center, orienting home to our own instincts, our own intuition, and our own inner listening. And I know that you've created something to support this, supporting women in finding their relationship with their bodies in a new way. Can you share more about
1: that? Yeah, so I have created a Patreon account. Um, For those that don't know what Patreon is, it's basically a platform that you can support artists, makers, creators, anyone really can find a way to use the platform. But what I have done is put together a bunch of content um, and I upload content every, towards the end of each month, yoga videos, meditations, breath work, journal exercises, affirmations, um, and more, all surrounding the topic of our relationship with our body, how we speak to ourselves throughout a yoga practice, how to allow your body to be what it is or be where it is, where it's at without attaching that judgment. Um, how can we hold space for us and our bodies to be what they are? And so I've put together all of this content and basically it's just a, a way to one, make things a little more accessible for more People, Maybe that's financially or maybe that's the way that you move your body, um, giving yourself permission to not be perfect or to not be where you think you should be. Um, but yeah, I'm actually in the process of creating something else. And this was just a little sidebar thing that I was like, "Ooh, I'm feeling this. I need to do this. I need to create this. So I did it, created it. And now it's out there. <laughs>
0: Beautiful, and I'll leave a link for that as well in the show notes so it's really easy to find. And with that, it's time to complete our conversation for today. I've got a short poem that feels very right to close with. It's by Nairaya Wahid, and it goes like this. And I said to my body softly, I want to be your friend. It took a long breath and replied, I've been waiting my whole life for this.
1: Mm, I love that. I love it's that. It's yummy. <laughs> it is. It, it is. And it really ties back to that being in a relationship. It doesn't have to be a madly in love relationship, but just be friends.
0: Yeah, be friends. And with that, I really want to say thank you to you, Eden, as well. Thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for being a woman who loves herself out loud. Mm-hmm. And to get in touch with Eden, um, I'll make sure to link her Instagram, it will be in the show notes. And as always, I'd really love to hear from you. So if you want to comment or leave some feedback for this episode, you can go to my website and find a page for this episode at com forward slash psychowise. wise. Thank you so much, Eden.
1: Thank you so, so much for having me. I, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i could honestly go on for hours and hours but thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you so much
0: thank you for joining us on this episode of Psychowise. wise if you'd like to share a comment or a question related to this episode please visit the episode link in the show notes where you can submit your feedback or question as well as read comments from other women listening with you We're so much stronger together. I'm Indica Moon Anamark. Until next time, I'm sending you love from my inner woman to yours.